services are going to look a little bit different today. If you're, if you're a part of Freedom Valley, if you consider it your home, you might be able to do the next part of the script f- with me. You might, you might know that, hey, we're going to do some announcements, we're going to do connection cards, then we're, gonna, then we're going to receive those connection cards, and Jason's going to tell us about the three ways to give, and maybe you could say all that. You won't be able to do it today because everything from this point of the service on is going to feel very different. And that's intentional because we want this weekend to be special. Hey, this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. not great at looking thing. We had a good year. It was an amazing year, wasn't it? Like all of the all of the challenging teaching, all of the life change we've seen, all of the personal growth, even in myself that I can identify has, has been something that we can't fully celebrate. But we thought of a way that we could maybe look back over the entire year today. And and that would take a really, really, really long time, wouldn't yeah. it? To, to look back at every sermon. A lot every of good sermon sermons this year. Series. Uh, so Candace and I, we sat down. How can we do this? How can we? And we challenged each other. I actually challenged her. I said, I bet you I could do it faster than you can. <laughs> and, and you know, you're not normally as competitive as me. I'm way <laughs> more competitive. I just want to say that. Yes, um, but I wrote most of these. I wrote most of these. Right. So, so what I suggested is that we play, if you've ever seen Speed Chess, I, I suggested we play Speed Sermon Series Explanation, where we're going to put three minutes on the clock, and we're going to each explain a sermon series going back and forth. So All right. I think I can do it better than Candace, but let's rock, paper, scissors. No, no, see, no, no. Who, I can talk way faster. We all know that. Let's see. All right. All right. So rock, paper, scissors. Ready? Rock, paper, scissors. Okay. I go first. That's what that means. So we're going to put three minutes on the clock and we'll throw up the first sermon series. I don't remember which one it is. I don't even remember from last night, so I'm going to need it. All right. Are you ready? Let's uh, bring out uh, Never Just Another Sunday. Three minutes. Go. So never just another Sunday. The idea that when we show up to church, we can't just think it's just another thing. We have to expect God to show up, that we have to show up with an attitude of expectancy, a heart to experience Candace. All right. The next one I think was to say or not to say, was it? To say or not to say was about uh, how we often run at the first whisper of adversity. I think the tagline was we often run away instead of staying and dealing with our issues. And so it was to say or not to say to develop ourselves. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, disciple makers. Uh, this one had an awesome logo, by the way. Uh, disciple makers where uh, Jesus came to all the world and he said, go into all the world and make disciples. So is it our responsibility to be a disciple or is there more to it? So we have to become a disciple who makes disciples of other people. Um, so are you growing enough that you can help others grow? Battles! Was Battles amazing or what? That was my favorite series all year. Battles was was so good. It was about how we overcome the battles in our life and why God gives them to us in the first place. We did the Wake the Dawn thing. We did the We Are Citizens sermon. We did all those amazing songs this year. We sang our battle cry. Battles was amazing. Okay, all right, all right. Uh, Birthday weekend, this is where we celebrate Freedom Valley's birthday. We dressed up in super 80s clothes and I wore parachute pants. That's all I remember. What was next? What was next? Epic weekend. We had three of these this year. Tim Bennett, Johannes Amritzer, and Aaron Holt. It's about where we learn from the gift of the evangelist. We have one coming up in just a couple of weeks. Um, uh, Between two gardens. Okay, this one was, um, there's a Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve, perfect place. Then there's heaven. At the end of all things, God is going to bring back the new creation, give us a new earth to live in, a perfect garden. But what about in the middle? Why is there all this evil? How do we confront that? Way too much to get into now, but you should check out that sermon series if you're interested. 
Full Heart Great like Game was, was about was cheating, seeing right? the world through Jesus's eyes. It was about uh, how to maintain contentment One and being minute. happy with what you have. Okay, all right, all right. Church camp, uh, mountaintop moments, the mountaintops of faith that, that you have these amazing moments with God. How do you bring them down with you? And Jesus said the faith of the mustard seed can move a mountain. So if you have faith, bring the mountaintops with you. Hang on, vibrant, passionate, selfless. Also in that sermon series, we talked about our new church vision that is vibrant, passionate, and selfless. We covered one each week. So good. The couch Oops. potato. Look at that dog. He was my favorite. The couch potato was about learning how to demonstrate love. It was about getting of God's blessings, how we often get lazy and we sit on the couch instead of going out and demonstrating love. The potential of a potato. seconds. The potential of a potato. I preach that. Uh, kingdom come. Uh, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That kingdom come, that will be done on earth. It is in heaven. We're citizens of the kingdom. That means there is a king. Therefore, we are Seven. in the kingdom. Six. Victorious. victorious was about how learning to be victorious in the kingdom of God. Oh, she's a cheater. Uh, written in the stars at the beginning. Ah, come on. I think I won that. All right, written in the stars. Definitely. It's about how 700 years ago, Jesus was prophesied about. 500 years ago, Jesus was prophesied about the beginning of creation. Jesus was prophesied about, and at Christmas, we celebrate his coming by giving our best gift, our best worship, our best service, and our best faith to him. And we looked at that, and we're going to actually end out the year with a sermon that connects to all of those messages we as are. we give our We made best. it. All right. Well, uh, I definitely the, won the whole that, sermon's going to be like that, so hopefully you can take notes really fast. Did, did you? Thank who won? You. Yeah, who won? Thank you. Definitely. You know, you know, out of all three services, that's the only one that I heard my name even once. So I'll take that as a consolation prize. Uh -uh. Thank you, yeah. youth who only show up at the 1115 service because you sleep in. That's it. <laughs> We're going to have to talk afterward. Just kidding. <sighs> yeah. Well, we, wanna, we wanted to share this Heart message crazy. because this is the final message of the year. We've been building to it for a few weeks. Uh, all, all month long, we've been talking about bringing our best gift. What does that mean? What does that look like? And now that we're here at the final week of 2019, we celebrate the best things that God has done, all his uh, amazing blessings and, and all of that that we want, to, we want to remember what he's done. Yeah, and we're not always so good at looking back, right? Especially this time of year, we just want to push forward. We just want to leave 2019 in the dust, particularly if it was a tough year, right? And we just want to look forward. But it's incredibly helpful in your faith journey to look back sometimes, to look at what God has done. I think this is why throughout the Old Testament, God plans in festivals and celebrations and parties, literally, to remember. He builds in traditions for us to remember what he has done for us in the past. So let's remember what he's done in the past a so little we bit. Wanna, we have some numbers to report before we, we want to look this. back over all the things that God has done and, and remember them with numbers. But remember, as we're doing this, it's not the numbers that matter. We don't want to celebrate being big. We want to celebrate people. So every number that we're about to celebrate, we want you to celebrate with us. But remember the people that were impacted by it. And the first number we want to celebrate, it was new to this year. As a church, this Christmas season, we sponsored... 29 children's yes. Christmas presents. You did that in, three in just weeks. three weeks. 29 children, 11 families, five families which have no connection to our church whatsoever, yeah. but we're blessed by you. Just Thank to you. put that in perspective, we've always run some version of this, but last year we sponsored four kids. Yeah. 29 That's this amazing year. It's an amazing thing. We made a difference in 11 households. <laughs> 
this year. It's an awesome thing. Speaking of 11 households, as a matter of fact, we have 11 separate home groups we're meeting throughout the year. Who was a part of a home group this year? You connected and grew in that way. Next year, be a part of a home group. Grow in faith. We had 11 different ones meeting, and I want even more next year. Yeah, we also had missions, a a couple of different missions Mm -hmm. trips this year. The, The missions trip to Tanzania, halfway around the world, 10 people. Did I get that right? 10 people fasted and prayed and prepared Uh all year long and went across the world to share the gospel. We also had a West Virginia With seven people going to West Virginia to work with the Zara House and and help women find freedom from sex trafficking by working on that home. And next year we're going to have our missions trip to France and even more coming. We also had 12 prayer nights this year times dedicated to just getting together in small groups seeking the face of god and they were powerful weren't they yeah they were incredible and they happen the first week of every month and they're going to keep happening next year if you want to go deeper in prayer the first sunday of every month we're going to be in here praying six o'clock till eight maybe yeah um then this year we sent kids and youth to camps and we've we've got a new kids team and they brought 15 kids to kids camp and 17 kids to the weekend breakaway. And each one of those kids heard the gospel, grew in faith, worshiped in a way that was designed for them. And our youth teams set record numbers for their youth camp and youth convention. For youth camp, we brought 35 teenagers to camp this year. It's amazing. Let's go Blue Whales! Right? We, we also it's won. It's amazing. Yeah. And, what? Oh, we were cotton candy. Blue whales was two years ago, and we lost that year. Anyway, <laughs> Too far back, Jay. youth Too convention, far back. we brought 52 kids to youth convention. That's a record number as well. It's a so, bus load. That's a full bus. To put this it's in perspective, load. the first year I was here, we brought 12 kids to youth camp, or less. I think it was less than that. And we brought 30 kids to youth convention, so the youth group is growing, and students are hearing the gospel more and more. And those really are powerful times to get away from life and just focus on God. I mean, kids get called into ministry at those things. They get radically saved and changed. Their life changed, and they get baptized in the Holy Spirit. So the more that we can get on those trips, the better. We also had 20 Two new partners this year, counting Amanda, who is here today and was accepted today. 22 people that have partnered with us in ministry to see the vision of FE Church accomplished. That's so, an amazing thing. Now we get to the big three, all right? So, so these are our big celebrations. These are the, all of that stuff is great, but this is, this is the why yeah. of everything. So the first one is... 16, counting this one, 67. 67 baptisms. <laughs> I was having trouble adding one to 66. Uh, 67 <laughs> baptisms, come on. Yeah. That's exciting. Um, so yeah, it's amazing. That one. So to put that in perspective, our goal this year was 50. Yeah. So 50. 17 more. 67 people awesome. announced their faith so cool. to the world. It's an absolutely amazing thing. We also started a new system of tracking decisions for Jesus this year, not just decisions, but going a little further with mm-hmm. that. We call it the I'm in system. You've seen the, the slide on um, the screen behind us as we finish the sermons, right, that say text this number if you're in to following Jesus. We also have the I'm in table in the back where we can give Bibles to those that, that don't have them and really lead them through the salvation experience well. So we set a goal to have two of those responses every per weekend. weekend. And we ended up this year with a hundred and four I'm in responses. So that is yeah. on our goal exactly to it's the number. Amazing. I'm not even counting this weekend. So if anybody responds, I'm in this weekend, yes. we'll be over that goal. So that's Absolutely. Amazing. It's amazing. And here's the really big this one. This is the big one. 
And we hold it a little bit loosely because it's just hands raised, but honestly, it's the biggest for a reason, right? It's decisions toward Jesus. So anybody that raises their hand at the end of any service, because we've committed to offering Jesus at every opportunity we possibly can, anybody who raises their hand and says, I want to follow Jesus, maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time, we saw 339 of those hands raised. Not counting this weekend. Responses for Jesus, people dedicating their lives, angels celebrating in heaven over those new believers. And that is why we are here. That's That's why why we do what we do. But in order to do that, we have to grow. We have to challenge ourselves. And that's what this year has been about. We we never want to be satisfied with the same. If these numbers are exactly the same next year and we're celebrating the same thing, I'll still celebrate every soul for salvation, but I want to grow. I want to give my best and I want to do my best. So this year, all of those sermon series we talked about, they were designed to challenge us to go deeper. And it's been a challenging year in that way. And more than just challenge us, to shape us. I believe 2019 was really about God identifying who we are, giving us as a church a unique identity within the tapestry of the big C church, within the whole of the church. We are vibrant, passionate, and selfless, and that's what we get to grow into, right? That's the identity that God has given us, and it has been fun looking back and celebrating the past. I've actually really uniquely enjoyed intentionally celebrating the past. It's been a year of transition for us as a church too. And so it's often easy to just sort of ride the waves of that and not really look at what God has done. But it's so incredibly important as we go forward to look at what God has done in the past and and to really stop and thank God for that. So at the beginning of this particular series, this month's series, Written in the Stars, When I began learning about the wise men, I knew we had to challenge ourselves to give our best because I believe God's going to challenge us to not just understand who we are as we did this year, but next year, what do we do with who we are? What do we do out of who we are? We have to move into action. And so how do we give our best? Jason, how do we give our best? When we talked about giving our best and, and we developed the best gift as a vision that we've shared, if it's your first time here, you might not know that we've been sharing, we want to give our best. And we set aside this weekend to present to God our best gift. A, a number of people actually asked, well, what does that look like? Like, like how do we give our best? What, what dollar amount are we looking for? What, what can we pray for to believe God to provide in that best gift? And I believe that came from a place of faith. But as leaders, we ask God, what, what's the number? Uh, or what's the need? Or what will be met? How will we do this? And, and, <laughs> Sometimes God speaks in entirely different ways, and the answer he told us is, that's not how it's going to work. You're just going to challenge people, because he's got something way more in mind than a dollar amount. Somebody told me at the, at the Saturday night, he said, he said, listen, if God wants Freedom Valley to be fully funded, and he has a dollar amount, that dollar amount will show up with a blank check. He'll give it. There'll be gold just pouring out of heaven. He has no problem financially providing, but what he wants is us to give our best. So it isn't about a dollar amount. It isn't about a specific goal. There isn't a specific need. It's us challenging ourselves. Have we given our best? So how do we do that? What does that look like? And I went to the scriptures to see a time where Jesus identified an individual who gave their best. And I want to look at that passage today. So we're going to go to Luke. We're going to uh, Luke, um, sorry, 21. Luke 21, verse 1. I want to read the whole story. It's my mother's favorite story of scripture. And then we'll talk about it. So Luke 21, 
Verse 1. When Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said. This poor widow has given more than all the rest of them. For they have given a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. The first thing I notice is that Jesus watches us. Jesus watches us. You know, he sat in the temple and he watched as they gave. Let me paint a picture for you real quick. Because it's important we understand the context and and the the symbolism of this moment. Jesus just spent the entire chapter before this in the temple talking to the religious leaders, talking to the men who ran the church. And you know what? He was not being overly kind to them. They were challenging him, trying to get him to confess that he wasn't who he was. They were like, you can't be God. You can't be God. You can't be God. And he's like, that's who I am. Get over it. Say something. <laughs> like he was fronting with them. And, and then, then he, he does all of this. He challenges them and challenges them until he gets to a point that it says in the Bible and no one would ask him any more questions. They're like, there's nothing else we can ask. It's clear that he is who he says he is. We can't, we can't question anymore because people will get mad. And then, then it says that he, he watched them give. He went to the temple and he watched them give. Can you put verse one back up there? He was in the temple. He watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. These collection boxes, they weren't like the, the, the plastic buckets we use here at Freedom Valley where you can gently set in a paper envelope and, and you know, there's no idea. It wasn't cash or credit. It wasn't paper or plastic. These were big wooden boxes with what are called and described in Hebrew as trumpets on top. Trumpets. So big metal funnels. And the currency they used wasn't paper, wasn't plastic, wasn't lightweight. It was heavy coins. So imagine a big metal trumpet on a box. And as a matter of fact, there were 11 of them in the same courtyard. And the rich people are dropping in coins. What does that sound like? Loud, I think. It sounds like a little kid with their piggy bank just shaking it to tell you how much money they have. And these these rich people are walking up and they're putting money in the box. And, and here's the picture I have. This is an interpretation. This is an idea. This isn't straight what definitely happened. But I think Jesus just spent the entire chapter looking at the religious leaders and challenging them and challenging them and challenging them. And then he looks at the money boxes. And here's what I think the rich people thought. Oh, he doesn't really care that we get it. He just wants us to give more to the temple. All right. And then they walk up and they try to pay their way into his good graces. You know that sentiment? Like, if I give enough, it'll keep them off my back. I'll use my money as my vote, and then they won't be able to challenge me anymore. I think that was kind of what was happening. Man, Jesus is being really tough on me right now, but if I pay more, maybe if he sees me give, he'll think I'm good enough. I'll earn it. And then Jesus is watching as these rich people try to buy their way into his good graces, and a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. These two coins, think of a penny, right? How worthless is a penny? Like, it's, it's made of zinc. It, it literally costs more to make pennies than pennies are worth. Why do we still have pennies? But you know, these two coins, each of them together was less than a penny in our modern currency. We don't have a, de- a denomination small enough to signify pennies. You'd have to make, like, wood scraps, But she brings them to Jesus. She brings them to the box, and she drops them in the box. I imagine they barely made a clang. Barely noticeable amount among the the, the 11 boxes all in the room hitting small 
large coins, large coins, large coins, two small pennies, barely heard. But you know who saw it? Jesus saw it. You know who sees us when we give? Jesus. You know the only one that should matter when we give? Is Jesus. It isn't about that. Did, did they notice? Did they see it? Am I, am I going to get a thank you card? <laughs> How will I be recognized? It should be about Jesus. And she gives these two small coins to Jesus. And he says in verse 3, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the rest of them. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. There are people called to give, to fund ministry, to meet needs, who, who God has blessed abundantly in our society. And then there are people who have plenty and give a little out of the surplus. But then there are people who give too much out of their lack. And I used to hear this sermon preached that you need to give like the widow. Give till it hurts. Give him every penny. Look in your wallet right now. What is the largest bill that's in there? You need to give that. As a matter of fact, give the smallest bills too. If there's any money in your pocket when you leave this place, how could you dare do that? I've heard that preached. But Jesus in the chapter before this said, you Pharisees and religious leaders, you rob from widows and steal their very houses because they were accepting gifts that were bankrupting people. When that widow gave her two mites, her very last, Jesus points out to his disciples, look at this woman, she's given everything she has. Here's my hope and my prayer. Here's what I know to be true because I know what people who follow Jesus are like. They went, that widow needs our help. Make sure she gets what she needs before she leaves. I know people who follow Jesus. They hear about children who won't receive a present on Christmas, and in their tight family where they have plenty of kids themselves, they find a way to buy some gifts for those kids. I know what followers of Jesus are like. They are generous. They give until it hurts. But I also know the truth of followers of Jesus. They are good stewards of what they have. They are good managers of their finances. If you give every penny that you have right now, if you empty out your bank account and you leverage, if you get a credit card and you start giving to the church on credit, how are you going to have to give in the future? But if you give wisely, if you count the cost, if you look ahead, if you have a budget and planned into your budget is financial giving, and then you create a space where, where I want to be able to bless people richly, so I'm going to make a savings account specifically for blessing, how much more good can you do? The early Christians, the followers of Jesus in Acts, how much they gave mattered. It mattered to them drastically. They gave everything. They sold their property. They sold their homes. They sold their farms. And they all lived in one house and they, they shared in a communal society. And after just one generation, they were left destitute and in poverty. And then the, the, the rest of the church had to bear the burden of providing for the Jerusalem church because they didn't plan ahead. We need to plan ahead. Give sacrificially. Give so that it costs you something, not a tiny amount out of your surplus, but give intelligently, planning for the future. We want FV Church to reach people for generations. I, I want my kids to be up on this stage worshiping God. I hope they're good at instruments because I'm not. But in order to do that, we have to plan ahead. We have to count the cost carefully. So your best gift isn't every penny you have, unless, of course, God tells you that. Here's what I think about the widow. 
that she was a good steward of what she had. What can you do with less than a penny? How could you survive if all you had was less than a penny? Give it to God and pray. Because that penny can't become more. You can't bring it to the bank and collect interest so that you can give later. You can't invest in some grain so that you can make some bread so you can sell the bread. How much grain can you buy with less than two pennies? One grain? Like a grain of grain? No. All she could do, the only thing left, was to give it to God and pray and believe. And Jesus saw that gift. So for some of us, maybe the only thing present for us is to believe. I've heard stories of people I look up to who had their last $20 and gave it to God, and before they left the building, he blessed them. But you know what those offering boxes weren't? They weren't slot machines. Who here has ever been to a casino? This is the 1115 service, guys. I know some of you have been to a casino before. You're the sleep-in service. Like, you've been to the casinos. Like, when you walk around, you'll see people who's like, this is their last coin, the last pull, and if they don't hit, everything's gone. They won't be able to pay the rent. That is not what the offering box is. That is not what the bucket is. It's not, God, you better bless me because if you don't, I won't be able to pay my bills. Pay your bills. Pay them first. Like, no, give God his tithe and plan it in. But if you don't have a budget, you have not planned how you are going to pay. Have a budget. Have a plan. Believe in God. Work hard to make more so that you can continue to bless for generations to come. I want to give to God well. My family built for the first time a budget that includes savings and emergency fund and all of our extra bills. I I haven't lived financially sound. I've lived like a child who's like, I know God's got me. And you know what? He's gracious and he is good and he always has. No matter matter the the thing that's come against me, God has provided and I have paid my tithe. I, 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 I believe in that principle that when I give God, he blesses me. But I never expected to have above and beyond. I never expected to hit that jackpot and end up rich beyond all wildest dreams. But now I've moved into a new season where I'm going to carefully count the cost. I'm going to budget and plan. I'm going to save. And and, and my plan is that every year for the rest of my life, I will give more than the year before because I will have taken the effort. That's the best gift. Not a gift that says, well, this is all I have. Not a gift that says, well, I got plenty, but this should be enough to keep them off my back. A gift that carefully considers the cost and presents it to Christ. Yeah, the way that we give best is through stewardship and really managing what we have well. Now, we had planned that Jason would present how we give and that I would present why. And last night I, I talked about how ministry is difficult, right? And there are always those called to give, but money and ministry sort of seem to go hand in hand throughout the word. I told you about the, the gifts in the temple, the sacrifices in the temple already, and, and how they provided for the priests, how there were systems made for that. Exactly. And we talked about 12-year-old Jesus and how he spent time in the temple and all of that, but I couldn't sleep last night. God had another plan in store for you all today. And honestly, this is what I'm learning through this entire best, giving our best series. I had three sermons to prepare in the space that I usually have one this week, right? Last week's Christmas Eve and today. 
And this was a, a crazy, different weekend. So it was already intense. And yet God literally wiped out two of my whole sermons that I had planned and replaced them with last-minute sermons. So you know that God has a word for us today. I think he's sort of teaching me how to rely on him and not my planning, right? That's the lesson I'm getting from it anyway. And over the past month, as a church, we have been discussing these prophecies about Jesus, right, that have been written in the stars for hundreds and and thousands of years about the Messiah coming into the world and the ones who actually found the Messiah when he was here. They were few and far between. This past weekend, we talked about the events of John the Baptist's birth, right, how intertwined that story is, the Zechariah and Elizabeth story with Jesus and Mary and Joseph, how it all worked together for their good. If you missed it, go back on the podcast. If you missed any of these, by the way, go back on the podcast. They're literally all there for the entire year, thanks to our awesome volunteers. But as John grew, John the Baptist grew as Jesus grew, right? He was six months ahead of Jesus in age, and he grew into his job as well. Just to put this in context, John the Baptist, his parents probably died when he was young. They were already old when he was born, right? And it says that he lived out in the wilderness. Nobody took care of him but God, right? He was kind of a weird guy. He ate locusts and honey. He lived in the wilderness away from people. He wore Tarzan type of clothes, right? He was just sort of an odd guy. But his job was to testify about the qualifications of Jesus. On Christmas Eve, we talked about how Jesus is well qualified for our best, right? He deserves our best. He is the prophesied one, so we know where he came from. He is the word, so we know who he is. He is the translator, so we know what he does. He is well qualified for our best. And John, he was essentially God's recommendation letter to the world, right? He was the announcement to the world. He was like God's push notification that a new operating system is coming. Yeah. Only you nerds got that one. I got that one. Yeah. Only, <laughs> only nerds understand new operating systems, but that's what he was. He was God's announcement to the world. And he testified. He was actually incredibly instrumental in preparing the people. In fact, only two of the gospels talk about Jesus's birth, right? All four talk about John the Baptist. He was incredibly instrumental in the Messiah story. There's a few reasons that this recommendation letter from God worked. First of all, John the Baptist was willing to be different, right? Eating locusts and wild honey, the Tarzan clothes, he was willing to be different as not many people are. In fact, it was kind of weird in Jewish culture to be different, right? You didn't want to stand out too much. You had to fit into the law and all of that. It sort of churned out the same types of people. That's what it did. And so willing to be different was weird. As Americans, we sort of value individualism and and uniqueness. That was not the culture then, okay? He was willing to be different. He was also willing to proclaim unpopular truth. At one point in John the Baptist's story, he has some Pharisees come to hear him preach, and he calls them out of the crowd, and he calls them a brood of snakes. Is it even a group of snakes, even a brood? I don't know how that works. But he calls them a brood of snakes. Can you imagine being called out, singled out in a crowd like this, being called a brood of snakes? He said, how did you even understand how to be here, you brood of snakes? He's willing to proclaim 
unpopular truth. But the one I want to focus on today, why this recommendation letter worked, is that John was also willing to take attention from this truth proclaiming and the the differentness, right? He was willing to take the attention and then point it to Jesus. In fact, as I was studying this this week, I found a passage in the very first chapter of John. We're in the middle of the street one day. Jesus walks by John and his disciples. They're sitting around teaching and preaching. And John has two disciples. And he looks at Jesus intently. And he says, from John 1, 36, Look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples, his only two at the time, when they, his two disciples heard this, they got up and they followed Jesus passage goes on to say they literally followed Jesus from that day on. See, John was willing to live his life so differently, so differently, so solitary, I imagine. He lived out in the wilderness all by himself. His parents probably died young. He probably never had a family or a following, certainly, or people surrounding him. Here he had finally built something. Can you imagine this? He had built something. He was creating something, and he gave it away. The first sight of Jesus, he gave it away. A lesser man would have wanted to hold on to people tightly, wanted to take all of that attention, and then once they got it, it probably felt good, right? Who would want to give that away? John didn't do that. He took all of the attention, and he threw it at Jesus' feet. He followed God in all that he did. And so God had said to him, you'll see the Holy Spirit descend on a man. Remember, this was also his cousin. John probably grew up knowing Jesus. Can you imagine the shock of that? (laughs) Wait, what? Everybody else that grew up knowing Jesus rejected him, right? Jesus was rejected in his hometown, but John followed the Holy Spirit. He followed God in everything that he did, and he was so faithful. He was willing to throw all of that attention at Jesus' feet. All the the likes, the follows, the subscribes he had gotten, he threw them all at Jesus' feet. And maybe today your best isn't money. Maybe today your best isn't money. That's okay. We don't all have money to give. In fact, John's calling wasn't about money at all. He lived in the wilderness, for goodness sake. He ate off the fruit of the land, the locusts and the honey. He didn't have money to give. That wasn't his calling. Now, don't get me wrong. We don't get out of tithing just because it's not our calling, right? That's something that applies across the board. But we don't all have the gift of giving where we really enjoy it and give above and beyond that. That wasn't John's call. What we're asking today, as Jason explained, isn't about the numbers, the the financial numbers. It's not about us giving our best as in our biggest. It's about really honestly asking God, what is my best today? What is my best? Maybe today your best is your influence using some platform, some leadership that you have built and giving it to God. Maybe Today, your best is just stepping outside your comfort zone a little bit. Being willing to be different in this culture is still difficult. We may not be Jewish, but it is still difficult. 
spreading the gospel can be difficult. What if they make fun of me? What if, what if they don't agree? What if they ask questions I don't know the answer to? Be willing to be different anyway. Maybe today your best is just sitting with someone in grief, loving someone beyond what you're used to. Maybe it's giving up family time for ministry time or ministry time for family time. I can't tell you what your best is today, but have an honest conversation with God and ask, God, what is my best? What can I give to you that would be my best? Because honestly, guys, in 2020, I think where we're going as a church is going to be about this. We know who we are now. We are a vibrant, passionate, selfless church who wants to change the world with the message of the gospel. And changing the world with the message of the gospel isn't easy. It's difficult. It's draining at times. It can be expensive. God's calling us to a job that's not easy. Money and ministry are almost always tied together. That God was laying all of these ideas, that he's been inspiring you guys of ways to help and give more and grow the church. And simultaneously, he asks us for our best. That's not a coincidence. If he's asking us to step up, to give our best, it's for a reason. God is a productive God. When he does something, he's doing something, right? He's asking us to give our best right now because what he has for us in 2020 is going to be impactful on our communities, on our friends and neighbors, on the world. That's what the gospel does best. It changes lives from the inside out. It is good news to everyone who hears it. Today, the ushers are going to come and they're going to place buckets here on the stage. We're going to give our best to God together, but we're also going to sing and we're going to take a little time to, to reflect on what is my best. Maybe for you it's not financial. Jason has a story about this, this t-shirt. A man wanted to give his best. This offering isn't just about finances. For many of us it will be. For my family it certainly is. But an individual came up to me a few weeks ago and they said, I've been praying about the best gift offering and, and I give well and I feel like that's my calling. So God said, that's not what I want from you. I want your favorite shirt. That's your best, your best shirt. This isn't my shirt, it's, it's too big. I want your best shirt. And he goes, God, I can't give you that. I love that shirt. And that's when he knew he had to give it to God. He brought it to me and he said, I want you to put this in the bucket. I won't be there that weekend because God wants my best. This is my best shirt. The very shirt off his back, he planned and provided and gave. We're going to be giving at the front and this is different and this is uncomfortable maybe. But when I was in Africa, I, was, I, I saw the best giving I've ever seen at every church I went to. They brought out huge baskets and they put them up front and then they started worshiping loudly and proudly and boldly and they formed a line and people came up and they dropped in their gifts. People who had nothing presented to God their gifts. That widow had only two mites. John had only two disciples, yet they gave it because it was the best they could provide. Your best will only be known by you. Last night, someone came up to me and they're like, I was praying to God, what can I give? And, and I, I heard him say, look in your wallet. And I say, I don't have anything. And he opens his wallet and he sees some money. He didn't know what was in there. And then he said, was that you, God? And God said, I called you to give it. And he said, that's the first time I've ever, got, I've ever heard God. 
And I told him, you know what your best gift was? It was responding to the voice of God. It wasn't about the dollar amount. I don't know how much was in his wallet. I don't know how much he gave, but I know he heard God's voice. That was his best gift. Your best gift will be responding to God the way you're called to give. That's why this gift doesn't have a distinctive vision, goal, or amount because it's what is the best you can give. We're challenging you. That's what it's been about all year. All year has led to this moment for you to decide what is your best gift. And maybe you don't have cash in your pocket. Maybe maybe what you're giving isn't monetary, but you'll find a card inside your bulletin in addition to the connection card. You'll find, I gave online. Maybe, maybe you want to give online on the app at fb.church or in the giving kiosk in the lobby. Maybe you want to give one of those ways. That card is how you're going to present your gift to God. And Jesus sees you. He's watching. It's not about what's in the bucket. It's about what you're responding and giving. But maybe your gift is something way outside of finances. Write on the back of that card what your gift is and give it to God. I'm giving you my time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change this. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you this. What are you giving to God this year? What are you giving to God right now? Would you all stand with us? Jesus, thank you for your love. Above everything, thank you for your love. God, if you never provided for us or healed us or delivered us again, Jesus' love was enough. You've done so much for us, so much in us and through us this year. There's nothing else to say but thank you. We're so grateful that we have the ability to have the power and presence of your Holy Spirit within us each and every day that we get to carry your kingdom with us everywhere we go. Thank you for your love. Thank you that you love us unconditionally. That we have a hope for the future. That we are free from the bondage of of slavery and addiction to sin. Thank you, Jesus. Heads bowed and eyes still closed. I have one more thing to ask today. Above everything else, above anything that we can give to God, above all financial donations, above our time and our service and our worship, God wants your heart. He wants you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to be able to speak to you and hear your voice. He wants you. When we talk about giving Jesus our heart, it's because he wants your soul. He he wants conversations. He wants to share in your talents and your dreams and even your your doubts and your fears. He wants to be in those moments with you and, and he loves you unconditionally through them. He just wants to be allowed in. For FV Church, God is asking you one simple question today. You are a vibrant, passionate, selfless people, as he has called you to be. But are you really willing to do what it takes to change the world with the message of the gospel? Will you give your best to God today? Will you trust him with it? Will you be a light to the broken, lost, and hurting world? God, we know that praying, God, use me, 
is the bravest, boldest prayer we could possibly pray. We know that ministry to the world beyond these four walls is difficult. It's draining. It can be expensive. Sometimes it feels like an uphill battle, like we're all alone in it. But we're never alone. God, you're with us every step of the way. Make this vibrant, passionate, selfless people that you've called to be those things. Make us also effective in this world of lost and broken and hurting people. Make us that lighthouse on a hill. We would be a beacon to the lost and broken and hurting of this world, that they would come to us for hope and freedom and love, and that any single one of us can share that with them. Make us a powerhouse for you. Send us people that need the love, the unconditional love of their Savior. Today, if you would say, I'm willing to give God my best, I'm willing to be used by Him in 2020, would you just raise your hands with me? Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for this people. Thank you for willing hearts willing to be used by you. God, make us the light in this world. Help us to live in the light and life of our Savior. Thank you for everything you've done this year. Thank you for what you have for us in the future. We praise your name above every other name. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash I-N-N. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links.
in his own authority. The prophets, the, 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 the judges, the people in the Old Testament, when they spoke for God, they would say, thus saith the Lord. The Lord says to you, Jesus, when he came, he said, I say to you. 
In my name I declare. It's in Jesus' powerful name that he declares life, that he gives truth, that he gives the way to him. And when we claim the name of Jesus, we're not saying five simple letters. We're, we're barely speaking English because it's, it's more than that sound that our voice makes. We're recognizing the authority that that name carries. You see, there's a lot here, but, but Abraham, before he became Abraham, he was Abram, and God said, you are now Abraham because I put my name on you. Your name changes when you take the name Jesus on you. You become more because he is more. His name is a light. Nothing can deny that truth. One day, everyone will kneel at the feet of Jesus and recognize his authority. And that's what we do when we worship him. We declare his goodness, his greatness, and his authority. So I'm going to pray to close out this time of worship. But I want you to do, in your own words, with your own lips, or in your heart and in your spirit, the only name, the only word I want you to repeat, consider, contemplate the name of Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Jesus, the Alpha and Omega. Jesus, the beginning and the end. Jesus, the Word of God come down. You dwelt among us. You lived a perfect life. You gave us freedom so we can be free. Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords, Prince of peace, the, the, the great physician. Jesus, our healer. Jesus, our Lord. Jesus, your gifts, they never cease. They, they never stop. So I thank you for the gift of worship, for the gift of your spirit and the gift of your presence that we celebrate this weekend. Would you remind us of your greatness and your goodness and that we are blessed to be a part of what you're doing here in your church. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. That means I agree. Do you agree here today? I agree. Amen. 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 Well, can we just, yeah, thank God one more time for everything that he's done this year. Look, next year is going to be powerful. I believe God has something amazing for us as a church. Not just who we are developing us, but what we do with that. And so next week, we're going to start a series called Souls to Save. So we've got souls to save, right? We've got a job to do in this world, and we're going to learn how to do it better than ever before. We'll see you all next year, right? Have a great week.